0: Welcome along to the latest Forever Blue podcast, which uh, tonight is actually coming from... Wilmslow. Or I think this is the Wilmslow branch of the Official Supporters Club I may be wrong with the title, perhaps I'll ask one of them a little bit later on but the reason we're here is because I've been invited as a guest to the Supporters Club, so rather than do what we normally do, which is record um, at Tameside Radio we've come here in se- instead I brought some of the gang with me though so it's regulars from the the podcast we've got Paul, we've got Emily and we've got Tony, Will's going to make a contribution as well as doing a couple of bits of filming for Twitter and you may even hear a voice or two from the Wilmslow branch themselves. Um, tonight we're going to talk about Sergio Aguero. I just want to say thanks to UK, who, as you probably know by now, if you're a regular listener, are the sponsors of the podcast. They are chartered mortgage advisors, and they are very good at what they do, very friendly, and we'll give you advice if you or your family or somebody you know is looking at taking out a mortgage or what's some advice in terms of uh, purchasing a property and how you would finance that. Give them a call. The website is charleslouis.co.uk. The Louis is spelled L-O-U-I-S. So Charles Louis, no dots or anything, .co.uk. Uh, give them a call. There's a, obviously a phone number on there as well as information. And, uh, and hopefully they'll be able to help you. Uh, later on as well, uh, Tony is, is from Hot Click Marketing, we're going to do a draw for a prize winner for one of those people who's constantly sharing or retweeting uh, either the vlog or the podcast. So thanks very much to that, Tony. And um, We've got a book which I've uh, brought along tonight, you'll see it on a little uh, Twitter video, which is uh, basically the artwork of Leslie Ross, who is uh, is going to be... Um, giving us that book which is signed by her and the guy who wrote the, the words as well and uh, and I will uh, send that out in the post or meet somebody to hand that out so thanks very much for all the retweets subscribing and everything like that right without further ado since last we had a podcast City have played United at Old Trafford Uh, And also played Aston Villa at Villa Park Um, Two great performances, I think we'd all agree And and particularly the Villa Park uh, extravaganza Was highlighted by yet another hat-trick A record-breaking hat-trick by Sergio Aguero And I think it's only fitting really tonight That we do a bit of a celebration of Sergio Aguero I've just realised that I was going to read a poem out tonight, which I can't read out unless um, Will helps me out, because it was tweeted to me a little earlier on, and I'm using the same device that I would normally read it out from to record the podcast tonight, so Will will get it for me. Um, But anyway, first of all, um, I'm going to start with you, Emily, because I know you're a massive Vincent Company fan, and I know that, obviously, in terms of Uh, great players there have been a few and I've seen people saying today who's the best of them all so I'm going to ask you how you compare your hero Vincent Kompany with Sergio Aguero I mean is it possible to do that how how great is Sergio Aguero
1: without his goals where would we be basically, without Vincent's defending and contribution and some of his goals, where would we be? But you could say the same for maybe four or five players from from that, this generation of um, what, what we're enjoying at City. But yeah, Aguero, wow. <laughs> it's a, it, his record speaks for itself, doesn't it? 177 goals in, what was it? 255 appearances. And how many periods as well has he been out injured for? So the frightening thing, frightening for the opposition, is that it could have been much, much more as well. He is just, for me, one of the most complete strikers that not only the Premier League, but football has ever seen. He's, for me, he's got so many amazing attributes. I love how brave he is, his strength, he's courageous, his turn of pace, his vision, his movement. Um, he's, He's so instinctive as well. And he just, I like the way as well sometimes that he finds himself the position as well. When he gets the ball, he gives himself the extra couple of yards before he takes a shot. And that other strikers can be quite rash sometimes. But that's where he's more composed and really quite intelligent with it as well. I fear for the day that he goes from City because... There's nobody in the world out there like him and we're so lucky to have had him and enjoyed him at his peak. I know it's like really sentimental but we've been blessed to see him and also the midfielders that he's had helping him and assisting around him like De Bruyne, like Silva, like Yaya. He's had all those amazing players to support him towards that target and he's just flourished with it and I don't think we'll see the likes of him again in the Premier League.
0: That's a really good <coughs> forthright way of describing him. And I was invited onto the Sportsman uh, this morning. Did quite a long interview actually, and um, they asked me about Aguero and how whether he changed under the three managers and wh- who he'd actually performed best under. And I said undoubtedly Pep Guardiola because Pep Guardiola has made him a more all-round player. And I think that the game at Villa where he scored that hat-trick and obviously broke Shearer's record and all the rest of it, epitomised that game as, as much as any that I've seen because the goal that Riyad Mahrez scored was all as a result of Sergio Aguero never giving up and chasing and I don't think he'd have done that at the beginning of his career. That is no way a criticism of him, by the way, but I don't think he would have done that at the beginning of his career and it was almost uncredited. I mean, thankfully, Match of the Day did sort of highlight it but it felt like that. that's a sort of part of his game that isn't always given the credit it deserves. For the third goal, and I was stood with the City fans at Aston Villa, I was right behind the line of the shot. And when the ball came to him, the thing that flashed through my mind, because I wasn't actually thinking of all the records, was if this came to any other player, and I mean any other player, I'd have thought, oh, good. And, and this is all in a split second, by the way. I'd have thought this is a good chance to score another goal here. But no, when it came to him, I thought this is another goal. I just just thought straight away, this is another goal. And he hit it in with such venom that there was no way the goalkeeper could have stopped it. And I thought, there's no player I can think of maybe at his absolute best, Francis Lee, had that type of a shot on him. Maybe a Trevor Francis. I'm thinking of City players here. Certainly an Alan Shearer. Um... But Sergio Aguero, to me, is the best that I've seen. And that goal and that performance at Villa sort of summed it up for me, really. And then they went on to ask me the question I've just asked you, Emily, about who is the greatest. And I copped out, if you like, and I said, (laughs) you may see this as a cop-out, but... There is Vincent Kompany, there is David Silva, there is Yaya Toure. I'm a big fan of Sami Nasri. You know, there there are lots of players. David Silva is such a wonderful player. We're seeing the emergence of Kevin De Bruyne, and certainly Bernardo Silva, Mares. The way he's been playing recently looks brilliant. So if he continues on at that pace, maybe he becomes a a long time hero. But I said the way to commemorate this this group is not to put a statue of Sergio Aguero up. Dare I say, but to do what United have done with best Lauren Charlton and put up three or four of these in a group and say that group is the ones that need to be honored and let's stop <laughs> this sounds a bit preachy, but let's not let's not make it about who is the best let 's just celebrate them all. You know when David Silver goes, you know there's going to be a lot of tears and a lot of people saying he's the best player ever to play. When Sergio Aguero goes I'll be saying that I felt that when Vinny went I know Yaya's departure Was slightly soured by the (coughs) Birthday cake gate And his his age and everything But I still put him in that category Mm.
2: You know so Why do we have to pick one? Am I right? It's, it's, It's the whole package isn't it? I think it's the whole era that we've had I think the problem with Aguero's been Is that because he's that consistent And that reliable I think even I, I know for a fact that he's, he's unappreciated by the media.
0: Is that because he's too quiet? Because that's what I see. Yeah, said in I, think to that I
2: think it is. I think it's because he plays for City, in it. I think um, if he'd have played for United, played for Liverpool, played for Chelsea, they'd been shouting from the rooftops. But because he's played for City, I think that's why it is. If I'm being honest. Um, but even as fans, I think we. We don't underappreciate him, we just take him for granted. And we're not going to realise how good he is until he goes. You know, it's like he's, he's not played for a couple of games in MP. Beginning of the season, beginning of when Pep turned up, he's not going to fit into the plans. And he started playing uh, Jesus, all that's it, he's out on his ear. All of a sudden, when he did come into the side, he was a changed player again. He re-emerged as like you know this player that was like pressing and, and looking to get the ball back, exactly what he did yesterday. Villa when he he got the ball from the byline and knocked it back across. He didn't have that in his game, and that's what Pep, you know quite rightly. We didn't think so at the time. I don't think any of us before what's gone on kind of thing, but he must have seen that and thought, you you can do better than this, Sergio. You can do a lot better than this. This is what I want from you. And when he came back in, he was just a changed place. So he, even even him as good as he is, he was still learning. And Peps made a better, even if possible, made him a better player. Um, but I think we all take him for granted. I don't think he's, I don't think he's underappreciated by City fans. I certainly do think by the media. Um, even now, you know, uh, the, the media was saying, you know, they weren't just sort of ex- expressing how good he is. There was a guy on Talk Sports saying, sort of like, yeah, but uh, Darren Bent, I think it was, was sort of saying Harry (laughs) "Harry Kane's better than him. And I'm just thinking, like, what, what are you watching? You're an ex professional footballer. What are you watching? Harry Kane is nowhere near the striker that Aguero is consistently over that period of time. Most of his goals are penalties. Aguero's rubbish at penalties, if I'm being honest. He's not the best at penalties. And he's been in teams where he has not been the main penalty taker. So if he had been, how many goals would he have scored there as well? Injuries and penalty taking.
0: Actually, when you're comparing to Alan Shearer, who scored an awful lot of penalties, I think you're right. I mean, I don't know whether you agree that the fact that he's quite quiet off the field, uh, Micah Richards said, you know, (laughs) he is what... He is, you know, he's, he's a great player, but off the field, he's very humble and quiet. And uh, you would have thought that the former son-in-law of Maradona might have been a little bit more, a mate of Lionel Messi, might have been a little bit more of an extrovert. And, and he is on the field, but off the field, he feels a bit of an introvert to me. Do you think, do you think Tony, that 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 is part of the reason why he's not appreciated by the rest of the world as much as he is perhaps by City fans.
3: Slightly. I think if he had that arrogance of um, Zlatan, for example, of I'm the best, I'm the king and all that, then he'd probably get you know more trophies than what he's got in terms of Ballon d'Or and Premier League uh, player of the season and things like that. Um, but it's to be honest, with him being so humble, it's one of the things that I absolutely love about him. I mean, I think a lot of City fans say, When the All or Nothing documentary came out about him, when he said, I spend time at home and with my son and maybe see De Gea, but that's it. And everyone's like, Well, if you need a friend, (laughs) I'll come. And we all kind of felt for him at that point. But it just showed yesterday in his post match um, press conference when they asked him about him scoring and hitting these. records and after he said oh it's amazing to um, win them his first thought was but I've got to thank my teammates who provide me the assists and keep their work rates and that just shows the character of the man and if it wasn't for his football he's a really decent bloke in that sense so for me it endears me to him more even though it doesn't help him in terms of the individual accolades I think he's quite happy to win the team accolades in terms of the trophies and what he's won at us and yeah he'll forever be a legend um, both come Silver Silva and Aguero, I don't think you can separate them. I think all three are legends in their own rights in those positions and without one of those over the last 10 years, we wouldn't have hit the heights that we have done. It's not because of one individual, it's because of the team in and around them, but they were always our spine.
0: I was lucky enough a few years ago when my son turned 18 to record a video and I got different players to contribute <clears throat> and at one point in one game, um, one of the players I hadn't got was Sergio Aguero to do a little video. And they let me go into the dressing room quite a long time after the final whistle. And there were only two players in there, James Milner and Sergio Aguero. So because I'd never seen Aguero speak English in an interview, I just assumed he wouldn't be able to speak English. So I walked into the dressing room and said to James Milner, do you mind just doing a little bit of a video for my son? And he did it. He was great and, you know, very, very appreciative. And then he went... Here's Sergio, you know, he can speak English, he's very good, <laughs> go on Sergio, say something. And then he did say something in English, and that made my eyes yeah. sort of pop out, I thought... Did you speak
1: loud go, to you a go, hello Sergio, did you do all that?
0: <laughs> and then, then soon after that, um, one of the title wins, I was on the pitch doing post-match interviews, so I thought, he can speak English. So I walked up to him and went, you can speak English, can't you Sergio? And he said, yeah I can, so... And I got a few words out of him. That was the first time I ever heard him speak on radio. So I think, do think that part of the personality thing is, is is or part of the reason for the recognition is because of his sort of lack of English. Absolutely. Now we've got um, a I'm member of the. Uh, I don't, are you the landlord here? Yes. Or, yeah. So just coming a little bit closer. Yeah, in okay. fact, I'll have to stand up to to go over here to talk to you. Um, so are you are you part of this supporters club as well? Yeah, yeah. I'm a season ticket holder,
4: and it was partly Barry, who's our chairman came in a couple of years ago saying why hasn't Wimslow got a supporters club and do you want to set one up and help me set one up and I was like well, we'll give it a go so he put some posters up and around Wimslow and in the pub and one night I had a meeting in fact not at this pub one up the road because I didn't want to be say it's my pub and it's my sports club. I want to be a bit detached from it in that respect and uh Two years later, we're still going, 60 members, and the trophies are in the building, which is bloody brilliant. So what is
0: this branch called? I'm calling it the Wilmslow branch. Is yeah, Wimslow and
4: District, because right. it's quite a close area between Audley Edge, Hanforth and Wimslow in the middle. Is
0: it a posh branch? Is it the Poshish branch of the Supports Club? It could be leveled
4: <laughs> like I don't know. There's a Chester one, isn't there? They're quite posh over there. So, yeah. Um But, yeah, so it's Wimslow and District, Audley Edge, Hanforth and Wimslow. And, yeah, it's... It's still going well, going strong. Uh, considering when we started, we only started with 12 people at the first meeting, so now we're getting regular like, 30 40 each meeting and about 60 full-time members. So Well, thanks for inviting
0: me down as your guest yeah. tonight, no, which is brilliant. the reason why we're recording yeah. the podcast here. It's nice um, to meet you. I'm also asking uh, we just got three of the regular members talking to us about Sergio Agüero, so give us your thoughts on Sergio Agüero. I mean you've you've been Quality. watching him presumably all yeah. all the time. Yeah, quality. I, I, what, what, when um, Judy asked me to have a quick word,
4: the first thing that popped into my head is for years, well, about three or four years, I've been arguing with a friend of mine who's a Geordie Newcastle fan, best striker of the premiership scene, without a doubt for me. And he's just proved it again this weekend, scoring a hat-trick and breaking that record. And I was just thinking about because I was talking to him about it the other night, um, and it was something like he scored 280, Shearer, in his Premiership career, and it, and he only played in the Premiership, so I think Aguero is not far off that for his career total. So I think he's going to be proven wrong, my friend. I think I think Aguero is going to be the best striker, the Premiership scene for me. What sort of
0: um, emotional attachment? I know this, this isn't the sort of question you'd normally expect me to ask you, but what sort of emotional attachment do you have to him? Uh, well,
4: the QPR game really—that was. I don't think that's ever going to be beaten. That's my. I be, I'm into a lot of sports. I've been to like cricket world cups, rugby world cups, and that's the best sport. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. That's the best sporting moment I've ever been at. It was absolutely brilliant.
0: So, if he hadn't have scored that goal, would it have made any difference? You know, is it just that moment that, that gave you the emotional attachment to it? Yeah, I
4: think that moment did. But then it's just everything else he's done, week in week out, turns it on. Very rarely does he have a bad game. I just can't. I can't really remember
0: really. Be honest, when you're at the game There must be moments Because we all sort of do it really Even though we don't like to admit it Where we think about a player's not playing well And we mumble somewhere under our breath Some are a bit more vociferous than that Have you ever felt that way about Sergio? Uh,
4: Not really When you look back at the players that City had I can't complain when you see what we've got So you know When was it like Stuart Pearce's season? (laughs) 2007 was it? Or 2006? I can't remember And we scored nine goals uh, in the tail tail end of right. that season at home, so we saw nine goals at home in in the second half of that season. <laughs> it was poor, really bad. So when you think as yeah. a city fan, you think about that, and now you think what we've got here now. You can't complain.
0: You can't really. And I, I'm, I, I have to admit now, I don't think I asked you your name, James. James, James. <laughs> thank you very much for your contribution. No worries. <laughs> I'm going to ask Will now what he thinks about um, Will. Will is always here when we're when we're doing the podcast but he's often behind the camera today he's in front of the camera and he's telling he's telling Tony who's pointing the camera at him to turn the camera away
5: you <laughs> should be on camera more Will. so tell us what you think of uh, Sergio. Sergio um I, I look at him and I get a funny feeling in my stomach he just makes me feel warm inside He's honestly he, like we were saying before he, the fact that he even just comes across as a lovely man you know he's, he's quiet he's humble um and lets the, let's let him, lets him does the talking on the pitch, should I say And and yeah, the, the, there's no way of quantifying Who is the best player City have ever had But I think most people have to admit it Is the most important Because um, without that goal against QPR You know, the, the, the fallout from that would have been immense Because Mancini probably would have been sacked You know, the lead that we lost over the course of the year Couple of the big players may may have gone. You know, if we hadn't won that title, the fans we'd have just reverted completely back to typical city mode after the the worst Premier League loss we've ever seen. So I think not just for him, but his goal changed so much for everyone, and it it changed city fans' mentality as well. So we have that to thank for. Yeah, he's an iconic player,
0: and. And and I think he's irreplaceable. I mean, coming back to me regulars here. Uh, thanks for that, Will. Uh, and thanks, James. But in term, and you can stay and listen to the rest of the podcast. But by all means, okay, yeah. uh, the the three of you who are uh, the, the sort of stalwarts of the the podcast, Gabriel Jesus is is the logical successor. Though all the names have been knocked around recently, do you see um, Gabriel Jesus as? As being the one who will replace him, do you think it needs to be somebody else? And how does whoever it is deal with the pressure of expectation? I mean, it's whoever followed Shearer at Newcastle had to follow him, didn't they? And it's never really worked for anybody at Newcastle. You know, do do you think it's it's possible to follow Sergio Aguero, whoever you are? It's
2: impossible. It's an impossible job, and <clears throat> I hope that uh, Jesus improves to the to to a level where. You know, we can. He can be quality in his own right. He's never going to be Aguero, and we should dismiss the fact that he might. You know, people should stop comparing him to Aguero because it's not going to happen. He's not going to be that. He's going to be a player in his own right. We should let him develop into a player in his own right. Um, he's certainly not going to be there.
3: I think I preferred um, Jesus yesterday when he was on the left I thought he was far more effective um, got on the gold sheet I know I've said before that I wanted to see him on the left so I'm not just saying it because it reaffirms the point that I've said previously but I did really like him on the left and I thought him cutting in um, and for me I'd like to see for the potential for the rest of the season obviously everyone's staying fit Um, Jesus on the left and obviously if Sane comes back him fighting Jesus for that position with Sterling back on the right because I know you've got a bit of stick um, for the derby game Sterling um, but I just think it's overworked (laughs) we've we've overused him yeah Um,
1: I I don't think you can put um, him on the right with the form that Mahrez has got at the moment, though, well, because Mahrez at the moment, he's absolutely flying. Yeah. So, I mean, Pep loves to spring surprises. As we know, in the past week, we've seen completely different lineups, and it's been brilliant, I love it. Um, but Mares is in like, the, the best form we've seen him in at City at the moment, so I would like to see him play more. <clears throat> um, but with Aguero, um, just going back to his goals... Um, everybody talks about company's goal and rightly so against Leicester at home last season but what about Aguero's goal at Turf Moor would we have got the title if he wouldn't have scored that goal at Turf Moor as well because that was such a scrappy game and that goal was absolutely imperative to keep us on the track for the title so rightly so Vinny will get the plaudits because obviously it was just an incredible goal but Aguero's still capable of producing just that kind of a goal that's just as important as well. So, you know, we've got the QPR game, we've got those amazing memories, but that goal as well from last season was equally as important in my eyes.
2: I'm just glad that um, he's turned out to be the player that we thought he was going to be because um, I got a tattoo of him on my arm. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. So, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. When he scored that goal at QPR two days later, I got. I got a tattoo done and, and, and all the rest of it. So half my arms dedicated to, to Aguero. So I'm glad he's turned out like he has. Yeah.
0: One of the heroes of uh, Waterloo Branch. Um, I was I was in LA on pre-season and Sergio was doing some signing etc. Uh, Chris Middleton he's called and uh, and he he went up to Sergio and he said, "Can you just sign here?" And he signed his name. I think he put 93.20 after it as well and he immediately then went around the corner to a tattoo parlour um, I mean I don't have <coughs> tattoos I wouldn't do that but I can understand why somebody who wants those I've, so been, I've, been...
2: I've been trying to get that done ever since <laughs> to be honest so if you're listening Sergio I know you listen to the show um, I can come to you you don't have to come to me mate and I'll I'll let you autograph me out I'm
1: too squeamish for a tattoo <clears> but you know my youngest son his middle name is Sergio so that's my tribute there
2: uh, well, yeah.
0: he only got the middle name though. I didn't get the first no, name like Vincent no, did.
1: But, 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 <laughs> I fell a bottled it. <laughs> what can I say? I regret right, it. <laughs> I've got a
0: poem here. I did ask people earlier on today to um, to give us poems about Sergio and Val, and you've got one as well, haven't you, Paul? Uh,
2: yes. Sir. <clears throat> <clears throat> Roses are red. The city is blue. Coniguero, I love you. Thank you.
0: Yeah, a bit basic, but um, yeah, it'll do. <laughs> um, so this one's from Kay, who, uh, who contributed to one of my vlogs not so long ago when I, I got people to do bits of poetry and that. So if anybody's got any poetry that you want to contribute in further weeks on the podcast, feel free to send them to me. Um, this is Kay's contribution, if I can read it. I might ask you to read it in a minute, so I'll in my eyes go. Uh, Thierry Henry, move over. Alan Shearer, move along too. We signed Cuneguerro. He's better than both of you. He scored more than any other that hail from another land. Their best player from overseas ever. Stay tuned for uh, for the rest he has planned. There's so much more to come from our precious little gem. The way he's going, he'll outstrip the rest of them. It's a pleasure to watch him play. He's brilliant. We can't deny. He lights the pitch on fire and, of course, he's easy to the eye. He came, he saw, he's conquering the Premiership's his playground. We're just happy he's a blue and overjoyed he stuck around. See, that's better than yours, that, Paul.
2: I don't think it is to be Yeah,
0: (laughs) And that's from Kay Roberts, written in January 2020. She's got
3: copyright, but thank you very much, Kay, for giving us that. Could you do better than that, Tony? I don't think I can. Like like I say, I think for me, with Sergio, um, he's, what, 31 now? Um, I can only hope we've got him for at least another two, three seasons minimum. Um, I don't want to see him going anywhere because he is genuinely irreplaceable. Um, that's not because... you think he can keep the, this... this... Quality well, going for a year, he might or two lose there. a yard on the pace, um, but you're never going to lose that ability he's got just to know where the net is without even looking at it. I think I could blindfold him and he'll still score three goals a game, you know. That's just how good he actually is. At. I don't you know. Think one of them
0: goals, sorry to talk across you, but one of them goals he scored yesterday, as I was watching the replay of it, that exact thought went through my mind because he never seemed to look up. Yeah. I thought, and yet he bought he arrowed right in the bottom corner.
3: It's just the, it's the instinct, it's, you know, like, again, when we go back to QPR, and he, one that sticks out in my memory um, is the derby, the 4-1, um, and I think it was Kolarov who crossed it, and I just thought, you know, getting on the end of that, and, again, Sergio, he does it out of nowhere, um, and that always sticks to me. There's so many goals that I can pinpoint where you just think, it's too tight an angle, he's gone too far wide, or he's not going to score from there, and he does. Um, and, as I say, I don't think there are many players in the world um, in world football history and to be honest that have that ability you can you know you can train and I think this is the difference when we were talking before about Harry Kane for me he's a trained striker and he's not a natural striker whereas Sergio and whether it's you know from playing on the streets in Argentina or from whatever it is because Tevez was in a similar mold although I don't think he was anywhere near Aguero's quality in that sense Um, he just knows and has that instinct for goal and you can't train that into a player Actually, the goal that it was illustrated on Match of the Day that Micah Richards uh, sent fun. over
0: that great ball, and the way Aguero changed his body shape on, because that wasn't a natural finish, and I've seen players sort of hit it with the other, the wrong foot to miss it. Or try and, with the body facing the wrong way, score it. But he can manage to swivel his whole hips around to then side foot it in right footed from a very, very different angle. That should have been the clue for us all, because that was goal one that he would do this over and over again.
2: I think any any athlete at, at that level, whether it be Formula One, rally, motocross, rugby, football, it's like the Matrix, as far as I can see it. And they see things completely different. De Bruyne is the same. They they, they, they see the picture. I hate to say this, but Rooney was like that. Where, you know, in front of him, he sees everything in slow motion. Before it comes to him, he sees the picture of where the ball's going to be, where the goalkeeper's going to be. All top elite athletes do it in whatever sport. And Aguero's up there with it.
0: Given where we are now, uh, in more general terms, the fact that the title race is all but over, I mean, I know that there are still people hoping that Liverpool will slip and that as long as the City keep going, they can catch them, <laughs> but most of us probably accept that's not going to happen. I've said, and I said probably a few years ago, actually, which goes against the grain of some people, having seen the Aguero moment and, and win, win the FA Cup and all the rest of it, that if we never actually won another trophy, I would not be... Brokenhearted, hearted that as long as I can watch great football, that I would be happy. And we are watching great football. Last year we had our cake and we ate it because we won four trophies and we had great football. This year, you know, we might win the League Cup, we might win the FA Cup and we're dreaming of winning the Champions League. But even if we ended up with none of those, I would still have enjoyed this season and still enjoyed these great
3: players. Do you I mean you you three might feel differently but how do you feel about it all? No, I completely agree and I think that was, you know, going over the years one of the things under Stuart Pearce it wasn't that we were losing every week, it was the boring rubbish football we were playing every week. We don't as city fans we've never been one to um moan about not winning Um, it's always been about how we play and being entertained as fans and this season you know we're now seeing that entertainment coming back that attacking football we had a bit of a sticky patch but for me I completely agree in terms of the football and the way we're playing and even post-pep we've spoke about it on the podcast before and I think that's the style that we should now expect as City fans.
1: There's two examples um, of this that I can give that kind of come from the past week as well the first example being the United game which obviously we'll talk about um I never thought I'd see the day that we would sweep United aside like we did in that first half in my lifetime to quote Alex Ferguson I just never ever thought I'd watch City do it because obviously growing up at school bullied for being a City fan (laughs) one of the only two city fans in my year at school, and we had the managerial merry-go-round of Ball and Copple and Asa Hartford and Joe Royal, and we were the absolute laughing stock. And they were just winning trophy after trophy after trophy, sweeping teams aside. And now they had the audacity to put that banner up at Old Trafford. They they were that arrogant during that period to put the banner up and tick it over year after year after year, mocking us. But we've all stayed loyal to the cause and look who's laughing now because we would never be arrogant enough to do anything like that because we know where we've come from, as cheesy as it sounds. And we know what we've been through and we know what we've had to go through to get to where we are now. And with the other one, the second one is the Villa game where at half time, it kind of reminded me a lot of the Arsenal game at Main Road, the 4-0, because they went in 4-0 up at Main Road in 2001. Um, I think it was Carlo Nash's first game, and he was picking the ball out of the net four times on his debut for City. And Joe Royal just said they were they were too bloody good. They swept us aside, and they played some astonishing football. And I was applauding the likes of Armory and Perez Burkamp. All the City fans stayed there, they didn't walk anywhere, they stayed to watch the football that Arsenal brought that night and never again in my life did I ever think it would be possible for my football to eclipse that Arsenal side and we have eclipsed that Arsenal side, make no mistake about that and that's the level that we're at now. So it just shows you that as City fans we're still grounded because we remember those moments, those pieces of history where we weren't doing well and we weren't winning and we've come from that and to where we are now and that's how important it is because we'll never have the arrogance that united have and now they're floundering and all their fans are spitting dummies out oh but you know we're finishing sixth all the time where do we go from here we get another manager in it'll be the same old football but you're sixth in the premier league you've not endured relegation in the premier league you don't know how it feels this is nothing so that's just my little nuggets.
0: That Arsenal game is a great, great example. I wish I'd thought of that, but thank you for doing it because <laughs> I sat there and marvelled at that. And when Nottingham Forest were playing in their pomp, I remember getting beat by Nottingham Forest and thinking, what a great game of football, yeah. and applauding the other team off. Um, so, and I think City fans are a little bit different—not all of them—and of course, you know, we've talked before on the podcast about a different. Type of city fan, perhaps now that that does exist, and every club has good and f- bad fans. Just as there are, unfortunately, because we've mentioned it in the past, there are terrible racist comments that are made by individuals, and those probably exist at every single club, sadly. Oh, yeah. So it, you can't. Nobody's holier than now or squeaky clean or whatever, and nobody has perfect fans. But I think the majority of our fans, particularly because we have such a, an average age, which is a little older. Do appreciate where we've come from What we've done And have always appreciated Even in defeat You know, the opposition And so therefore to actually
3: have the cream now Is is so much more enjoyable, isn't it? Am I right? 100% um, I've we're last of that kind of generation that was bullied at school in the 90s from United fans and that side of it. Um, So yeah, I completely agree with Emily in in terms of what she was saying before and I think that going forward um, we do have some younger fans coming in but that don't necessarily get that of where we were but I think a lot of that as well going forward is going to change because we do have a, well, an older generation in terms of fans wise and that is getting passed on now in terms of well this is our history this is where we were and I think the more that we talk about it and we always see it in terms of social media of the, on this day and things like that and the more that we remind the newer fans of where we were the more likely they, well like we were saying about Sergio stay humble it's not about you know going out there and being oh we're this we're that way or the other, um, it's about of you know us appreciating our players and what we're doing, um, and sort of everybody else basically. Now you mentioned before. Go on, Paul.
2: Sorry, yeah, I, mean, I was just I've, I'm just digging a tweet out. I, I tweeted this at um, just to re- reiterate what you said. This was tweeted on um, Sunday at th- uh, twenty past five, and I put. You know what, we may not be top of the Premier League, we may not win it this year, but I know it, who plays the best football and I know who would rather watch week in, week out. This Man City team is the greatest team in Premier League history. And I tweeted that. That was not, you know, we'd not pre-rehearsed this or anything. Um, I, we've had this conversation before that if if all of a sudden the bubble bursts, you know, we go home tonight to the news that Man source pulled out We've been financial fair played, we've we've been destroyed, we've literally got to stand on our own two feet, there's nothing. And we turn up to the game on Saturday and there's 20,000 of us there. That 20,000, we might get relegated, we might go into the championship and we might drop down into the third tier. There'll still be 20,000 of us there. I am not bothered whether... It's great winning things. But I followed City for 30, 35 years without winning anything. So if winning everything, if, if winning things is all about going watching City, then why have I watched it? And, and everyone in this room have watched it for all that period of time without winning anything. There's something more about City fans than that. Um, winning things isn't it. I prefer, I, I loved it when we had Kevin Keegan because every week I was entertained. Uh, let's not forget what football is it's an entertainment. You pay to be entertained. Who wants to go, all right, yeah, you might win 1-0, but it's really boring game. You part the bus and you sneak a goal at the end. I don't want to watch that. I prefer to, you know, win or get beat 5-4. Be entertained and go away and discuss it. That Kevin Keegan here, he was perfect. It's was brilliant. Yeah. yeah, and that's what galvanised us all because it was brilliant. We had a great away trips. The home games were great. Everything and you don't have to win things to enjoy football as many other teams if that was the case what is the point of west ham what is the point of norwich because only one team can win the premier league only one team can win the championship only one team can so there's probably five things you can win in a season so what about everybody else the start of the season they've got no chance and that's what makes us different I don't care whether we win things. I want to be
1: entertained. Yeah, that um, under Kevin Keegan, I went to um, Hillsborough and we won 6-3 and that game that was a great, w- yeah. one of the best away days yeah. I've ever had. Yeah. Ali
0: Bernabia was yeah. just unplayable, unplayable. wasn't he? It?
1: it was phenomenal. <clears throat> uh, but it, the away days were always kind of like that under Kevin Keegan and it was just a really exciting football. It was never dull, was it? Nope. I'm sure we got 100 points as well when we won the league one, one year. with Ibsen. It wasn't far off. Yeah, but it was kind of like we'll we'll just outscore you and if we don't yeah. well,
2: we'll just We've go got down trying and defense we're not yeah. because we, we'll just score more it. yeah it was beautiful
0: <laughs> you now you wanted to talk about tactics and uh, certainly at the derby you know, <laughs> Pep did pull a bit of a flanker didn't he I mean suddenly <laughs> ironically we talked about sergio aguero in this podcast sergio aguero didn't even play and guess what gabriel jesus didn't even play and uh, i won't i won't name anybody but i did see one or two people on social media who were uh, who were mm-hmm. saying um, oh, they're going to get absolutely hammered here. No strikers. Pep's clueless tactically. Blah, blah. And I, you know, and I didn't see that at the time. I'll be honest with you. I arrived very late at the game for v- reasons I won't go into, and did, did my vlog, and I was focused on that, so I didn't see any of that until afterwards. Um, now I must admit, if, if I'd have seen that team and had a bit of a think about it, I'd have thought, "What's he do? What's he doing here?" But but the guy is clearly a genius, and it works perfectly, didn't it, Tony?
3: It did. I, was, I wasn't I was on social media saying it because I knew I'd probably have on uh, my face by the end of the 90 minutes because it's Pep and in Pep I trust in that sense. There's a reason he is Pep Garlone and one of the stats that they showed yesterday during the game on the telly was how many games he's played and how many he's won and he's got over um, over a third of, in terms of his win rate. Um, he's only lost something like 30-odd games. So you know he's a, he is a genius and for me, I was looking at a team sheet going, Where's the goals going to come from? Not that I didn't think De Bruyne could get you a goal or Mahrez could get you a goal, but I just thought that we were at Old Trafford. We needed the work rate of Agüero. But that being said, I did know that going out there, Pep wasn't going to have a team that was just going to sit back. They were. Pep sets his team up to go out and attack, to play football and to win. So I knew whoever's on the team sheet, we could play the EDS um, against Sheffield uh, United, but I expect them to play the Pep way and now what's now becoming the City way um, and play the best that they will play. So I do have questions when he puts the team sheet out. Um, you know, a lot of City fans this year have uh, questions Fernandinho at the back. He had one of the best games in the derby um, as a centre-half. So for me, it is just a case of, what do I know? Pep knows more. <laughs> you must
0: admit, I'm, I'm. You know me. I'm a big fan of uh, Fernandinho, and I've questioned him not being played in midfield. I agree, he was exceptional as a defender at at, at Old Trafford, and uh, you know, you you just have to admit sometimes that that you're wrong. I mean, I've still got little question marks about certain players. I'm delighted to see. The emergence almost of Riyad Mahrez in in recent weeks. I mean, the goal he scored at, at Villa Park, the the little dribbling run was was as good as you're going to see anywhere. Uh, and obviously, those early goals, even though it ended up being six one, those are the crucial goals. I mean, I'm not that's not to take anything away from Sergio's hat <laughs> trick, but. They're the crucial goals, they're the ones that break the other team Once it was 2-0, you look at Villa's faces You look at oh. Jack Grealish and you think They haven't got the belief anymore And he's their talisman, he's their, he's their key player And that was down to Riyad Mahrez <clears throat> And that again is down to Pep Who stuck with him patiently Who's picked and chosen the times We've had debates on here before about Phil Foden and whether or not he's going to make it I still have some question marks As to whether he's going to be as good as everybody thinks I hope I'm wrong I want him to be absolutely fabulous and dazzling And be the best player we've ever had I genuinely do But at the moment I still don't think he's quite there But now I look at what's happened with Mares, I look at what's happened with other players And I think Pep knows what he's doing and and he will play Fordham and he has now started to play Mares regularly because he thinks it's the right time. The guy is a genius, isn't he?
1: Yeah, the meltdown on Twitter was quite funny before the United game because everybody thinks they're a football manager, don't they? And um, it was quite funny to see. But I said, you know, there's the pace out there so you've got to just trust in Pep. And I thought what was really interesting is that there was like... Three or four players who played as a false nine during the first, like during the game, particularly more so, let's talk about the first half, because it's almost like kaleidoscopic movement, hypnotising the United defence. And I mean, when you've got Phil Jones playing for City, as it is, that's always a helping hand because it's <laughs> like... so much confusing uh, yeah, Phil, no. I mean, that, that little movement, that little piece with Mares in the corner where he feigned injury, yeah. Phil Jones is like leaping about acting like he pulled his hamstring just to get out the fact that Mares had absolutely run rings and ghosted him was just hilarious but yeah the movement was just fascinating to see The, the like there was like Mares, De Bruyne, Bernardo all kind of chopping and changing and finding pockets of space constantly bamboozling United and that was as worst you'll ever see United play but as good as you'll ever see City play and the Bernardo goal as well served on a plate again from Kevin De Bruyne that Bernardo goal was just absolutely phenomenal <laughs> just phenomenal and I was just a little bit gutted and I can't believe I'm saying it against United that we eased off because it should have been more Sterling didn't help himself because he couldn't really finish his dinner that night but I'll let him off because it's Raheem Sterling you know, although he has kind of gone been a bit off the pace the past month or so I'd say he's not quite been the same kind of player um But, yeah, I was a bit gutted. I thought, like, pin him down and go for the jugular and really, you know, stick the knife in while we're going for it. But we eased off. They put Matic on and they kind of found a foot in. I thought we looked a little bit sloppy and complacent in the second half, but I I think we'll be fine in the second leg. I
2: was going to say, is the tie over? Um, I'd like to see more goals, to be honest with you. And then it's definitely over. That old city in me, old city fan in me, still thinking three-one. They they could have a bit of a sniff here, especially with being at our place. Cause it's a bit of a bit of a, bit of a bogey game for us at the moment. Um, yeah, I think I think I think we'll finish the job. I think you know that that could be three-three-one again.
0: I mean, obviously, in the next game after the United game, from going from no strikers and false nines, he then goes to two strikers. So you never know what Pep's going to do. Is the tie over?
3: Um, I don't think it is, no. Um, I think when it comes to our form this season, we can't guarantee anything. I think there's been a few times this season when we've said, oh, we're back now, we're going to start hitting the butt and then, two games later, we've dropped a clangor in terms of our performance, so by no means I think the tie is over, it only takes two goals and we're at penalties, so um, we've seen what they can do, you know they, early on this season they came up um, to our ground and won, so we can't necessarily spring another tactical surprise, not have a striker on there or anything like that um, because they'll be expecting stuff like that, so it's definitely not over, we need a full stadium, there is still tickets available so, you know, we do need to sell out the stadium, we need to get behind the boys um, you know, regardless of whatever the competition is. Um, but that being said, in terms of the Villa game yesterday, um, we've, everyone's singing uh, Sergio's praises, De Bruyne's praises for those crosses um, and Mares. But what really impressed me yesterday was uh, Cancelo and Mendy and even Stones. Um, I didn't think uh, Stones... I wasn't going, oh crap, Stones has got the ball here <laughs> yesterday. And I think it's worth pointing them out because Personally, I know I've criticised them in the past across this season, especially on the podcast, um, and I thought those three in particular had a good game. As I say, I'm not taking anything away from those up top, but it was nice to see them have a good game. And also, going forward, when Paul just said it could be another free one um, or we could mm-hmm. lose free one or win free one it's we're always as city fans of this season saying we're going to concede a goal whereas i'm starting to get a bit more confidence in our back four at the moment and i think that's definitely a plus going into the you know the the heavy part of the season coming up
0: now you mentioned tickets and you mentioned the derby and last week if you didn't listen to the podcast with the city matters committee three members of the city matters committee have a listen to it we talked a lot about tickets and and other things and we'll get some members of the City Matters Committee again in the future and maybe we'll talk, because some people have asked for this, more questions uh, talk about more questions about home games because obviously tickets for away games in particular um some might argue is quite a specialist thing because only generally three or four thousand people are lucky enough to get tickets so we will do questions about infrastructure trams and car parks and pies and i know you you're bothered a lot about pints and <coughs> stuff So we'll do we'll do that in the future But that's to come. But in terms of for this podcast, one subject that I've noticed knocking around on social media has been, first of all, the second leg tickets, which we have sort of slightly covered in as much as because they may be going on open sale, maybe because they're struggling to sell them. The worry is that there may be some United fans that are in the wrong part of the ground. But then coming up is Real Madrid. Now, I know that's March and it's still a little while off, but the ticket prices have been set for that. And I've seen a lot of City fans saying, um, why are the prices as high as this? Because against Schalke in the same round, I.e. the last 16 last year The prices were reduced Now I'm not in a position where it, it matters to me Because I have sit in the press box for home games Because of course I do some uh, vlogs and stuff Which the club takes So that's that's why they look after me for that So it's not something I've really got a strong opinion on But you three you know, are different. I mean, I know Tony. Sometimes you're in corporate areas. Sometimes you're in the normal areas, and you two uh, are always in the pretty much always in the normal areas. So, how do you feel about the the pricing structure uh, that has happened? First of all, for the Real Madrid game, but also a little bit for the derby. And have you any anxiety about this second leg?
2: First thing is, it's the first time i have ever called the area I stand in normal. <laughs> um, the stewards and the police don't call it that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think I think the ticket where I am should be 47 quid or something like that, I think it is. I'm not sure, because I'm on the cup scheme, so it just automatically gets taken out. Um, I just think it's wrong. I just think, you know, it, you look how much money... We actually make the club makes on the match day experience, and it's a tiny piece of the spreadsheet uh, or the balance sheet, or whatever you want to call it. Um, Pep's always going on about he wants to ground the atmosphere, he wants us to embrace these, the Champions League. Well, we're 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 a very um, poor fan base; We're a working class fan base. Um, you know, a lot, that's why midweek games suffer for me because people are working. You know, so. They're trying to to think by playing Madrid that it's like this big prestigious game so they can make more money out of it. Yeah, but it's it's still the working class fan base that is going to this game. So for me, cut the prices down and fill it up with us working class people who are going to sing, we're going to chant, we're going to create an atmosphere Reduce the cost Get you know, get people in. Let, you know, take your kids with you. Get everybody in there. Create this atmosphere like we did against Hamburg. Um, you ain't gonna do that by raising ticket prices. I I've kind of, I want to go, but I've kind of got to go because I'm on the cup scheme. Um, I can afford to do it, but there's there's so many out there that can't, and that's why we're struggling. The problem you get is you go on social media and and. You've you've got other teams just sort of like going oh they can't even sell their allocation and I put out there that it's you know it's expensive we've had all these games over Christmas, and somebody put yeah, and City fans were putting this as well. It's Real Madrid for sake. Um, you 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 watching? Got to watch Real Madrid as well. You expect to pay more for that? No, you don't. I don't. I'm going to watch a game of football. City playing an opposition just because it's Real Madrid. I'm not going to pay extra to see that not bothered
1: yeah i think also as well the irony is that we saw pep guardiola our manager violently gesticulating to the home fans to conjure up some kind of an atmosphere and the club go against that by issuing those kind of ticket prices Uh, in the south stand i think ours is 35 um, so, yeah, I don't know if that's that's really good or bad. I mean, obviously, was, you rather, know what it
0: was last year against Shalka. Is it the same? I
1: think it's I think it's ten pound more expensive, um, but yeah, I, I I think it's quite hypocritical. If the manager wants the ground rocking and we want the atmosphere there, then you've got to kind of replicate that in the ticket prices, really. But um, we are a working class support. And in a way we're being victims of our own success because we're in so many competitions. We almost can't keep up. We're kind of drowning a little bit because, you know, we have roofs to keep over our heads and cars to keep running and children to feed. And it's not as much as we'd love it to just be about city. It isn't because that's life. Um, and it's life is a complete and utter financial balance for most people and um, so being in all these competitions, it's getting to the point now where I've seen on Twitter people are having to pick and choose which games to go to because they can't afford them all. You know, if we get past United, we've got another Wembley trip there, which is happy days because I love going to Wembley, but then it's finding the money for it as well. It'll be a hotel stay because it's just too far to, for us not to stay with a little boy who'll be really tired and we always take Vincent so I mean that's I know that's our choice and you can do it in a day but we tried that last year and then he Adam overslept his alarm and missed work the next day because he was exhausted from the traffic getting home um, so it is a balance and I think the club have shot themselves in the foot a little bit and they really need to give it a think and they really need to think about when they issue the season ticket pricing as well about a price freeze because I think that's the least that fans deserve, because they're kind of going more for the corporate scene, the glitter, the, 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 the glamorous tie of Real Madrid, but they're alienating the core fans again, and it's not for the first time, and I don't think it'll be the last, sadly.
0: I bet Tony's got a really interesting perspective on this because he's got you've got a foot in both camps, as it were, haven't you?
3: Yeah, and I was just going to piggyback on that point there. I don't think they are going well. I know they're trying to go for the corporate in that sense, but um, they've done the same to them a lot in terms of the prices. So it's not um, something that's just exclusive. The you know putting the prices up for your general entry they've put the prices up for corporate as well but i think for me it just goes to show how far and this leads into my little bit of apathy when it comes to the club i love the club don't get me wrong and come match day i'll be shouting screaming but this is comes down to the powers that be at the club for me that it wouldn't take much for them to say look everybody in the cup scheme how many actually came to the group games right we've got five thousand here let's all give them free tickets or reduced 20 quid tickets for their support, let's appreciate our fans and it wouldn't take much from the club and it's not going to hit them in the pocket and I think this is where for me they've lost that touch that we had under you know the likes Bernard Halford was great at pushing that um, fan connectivity to the club and for me I think we just lost that bit of losing our roots a little bit when it comes to the fans of we the club expecting them to fork out. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying let's reduce it for your match day that what are coming for the one off because they've not put in for the other three games so at least if the fans have gone and if they've gone away you know if they've gone away they've paid more then the home lot why not give them a free ticket i know they did the thing because of the Shakhtar one but that was a one-off and you know it was for other reasons rather than the club were just appreciating their support it was for other things that happened on uh, in ukraine so for me i think it comes down to the club um, and losing step with some of the fans of can we afford and you know it's the same with the league cup the uh, Fulham game in the FA Cup, um, the tickets have been released for that today and you can pick up tickets at kind of £15 there. So if we can do it for Fulham, which again, you know it's a cup competition, so you never expect to go through until you've gone through. So if we can do it at those prices when we're playing Fulham, we can do it for Real Madrid. It's not going to cost the club any more or any less than um, the FA Cup game. So for me, I just think it's um, a drop ball by the club. And Colin, who was on the podcast last week, put out a tweet earlier on in the week saying that he was asked to the club to discuss the season cards and the pack that they were going to get and would you want another tablet case or whatever it was and things like that and again it's just a lot of fans don't really care what comes with the season card whether it's a badge whether it's a tablet pouch a scarf whatever it is they'd rather know are my tickets prices going up are they going to stay the same and you know I'm not going to speak for all fans but I would think the majority would say I don't care what you give me I don't want anything if my prices stay the same and it's the same with the Champions League games if we have a set pricing structure then at least fans will know and they can price it up but just ad hoc pulling a price out of the air thinking our fans can afford this it's ridiculous Okay, well interesting thoughts to end uh,
0: this week's podcast next game is Crystal Palace So, I don't think there's much point really in going into any detail about that game. Um, it seems on paper, the way City are playing at the moment, to be a relatively straightforward one. Don't um, say that. Nothing ever is. Nothing ever is. No, I don't, I don't mean that in the way that sounds. But that what I'm saying is at this point as we discuss it, nothing jumps out and says we must discuss that about the Palace game. It might jump out after the Palace game, but for now that seems on the face of it to be a relatively straightforward game. Not necessarily a straightforward win, Tony, <laughs> but a straightforward game. Um, so thanks very much for listening. Thanks very much to the three of you. And of course, James, who came in from the uh, the Wilmslow branch, which I'm now going to go and speak to, and to Will. Um, so thanks very much to, obviously, CharlesLewis.co.uk, Chartered Mortgage Advisors, who are the sponsors of the podcast. I really appreciate your support guys, and if you are dealing with a mortgage on any basis, then you can do me a favor and do them a favor by supporting them uh, rather than supporting somebody else. Um, a bit like Hot Clip Marketing, Tony, who sat next to me, who uh, who's always donating prizes and supports the vlog. Um, very much appreciate that, by the way. I don't often say that to you, Tony, publicly. So thank you. He's gonna do a draw now for another prize that we're gonna give out for a retweeter and a sharer, which I'll tweet the video out Um, sometime you may have already seen it by the time you download the podcast but I'll tweet that out as well thanks very much for uh, for for listening thanks for subscribing Uh, thanks very much for watching keep sharing keep retweeting more prizes on the way and we'll be back to do another podcast next Sunday the day after the Crystal Palace game so it'll go live on Sunday evening thank you